You know, I was thinking recently that one of the worst things about aging, and there's a lot of things you could talk about and people complain about. Now, I'm not going to complain about things. I'm just going to make an observation. But one of the things I've noticed about aging is that sometimes when you think things or a thing used to be better, it's merely that you're more accustomed to it in its old form. So what you thought was like a better setup, a better thing, a better technology, a better whatever, it's just that you knew that thing and that was comfortable. That was a comfortable thing. But it doesn't, it doesn't really make it better. It's just better for you as you, as you get older. And you've heard me talk about the travails of having a new phone and stuff like that. And I was thinking about this when I saw the story uh, yesterday. I don't know if you've seen this or not. The Wall Street Journal does a survey uh, ahead of every election year about the American dream. Now, the American dream, as they define it, and as it's most commonly defined, is really two things. If you work hard, you'll get ahead. And we want our children to have a better life than we had. And those kind of go together, and they're kind of separate. So it's, it's the merits of hard work or the dividends of hard work and the, and, and the hope, the aspiration that our kids will do better than we did by whatever definition you give that. They'll, they'll do better economically. They'll have a better education. They'll have better quality of life. They'll have peace. And this survey finds that the numbers have never been worse for the American dream. To sum it up, only 36%, lowest number ever, believe that that is still true, that if you work hard, you'll get ahead, and our kids will be better off than we were. Only 36% believe that's about a third. 18% in the survey say that was never true. They've never believed that. And 45% say it used to be true, but it's not true anymore. And these are the worst numbers, and they've done the survey for for many years, many election cycles, and these have been in steady decline since 2012. So just to be clear, th- this is not a new thing. This is not a Biden thing. This, is, this has been going on for a while. And um, the other part of it that jumped out at me was that, you remember when youth and hope kind of went together? Like, when you were young or, you know, younger, you could believe anything was possible for yourself, like you could be president or an astronaut or host of the Today Show, and you believed that the future was limitless. We would have flying cars and we'd live on other planets and stuff like that. Okay, so, and when you're young and when you're, especially when you're a teenager, you feign a little bit of cynicism, like you pretend to be a little jaded, but you're pretending because deep down underneath, when you let your guard down, when you're not with your peers, you're a dreamer. Young people are. It's one of the most appealing things about young people. What jumped out at me is that in this survey, the younger you were, the more pessimistic about the American dream you were. This is not old people who are sick and tired of life or have been beaten down by it or the two old guys in the balcony on the Muppet Show. Remember them? I mean, you would think like older people would be the most cynical and jaded about the American dream, but actually youngest, the youngest people are. 
the youngest people, the people that haven't even tested the hypothesis of the American dream, are the ones least likely to believe in the merits of hard work or that each generation improves on the one before it. What happens to a country whose youngest people are its most pessimistic? Well, nothing good. Nothing good comes of that. And there have been some other surveys that mirror this lately. So I'm not trying to hang this on one party or one cause. I don't want to oversimplify it. What do you think about this? What do you think about the American dream? I know it's kind of a, it's hard to not make a face when you say it because it sounds like something from a Hallmark card or a Coca-Cola commercial. But, but I mean, th- those were things, even if it was never actually said to you out loud in exactly those words, those were the things that were kind of the unspoken assumptions of wherever you grew up and however you grew up. Hard work will pay off. Put in the time, pay your dues. It won't be right away. It won't be every time. But in the long run, right, you were told that. And you believed it, and maybe you acted on it. And now people don't believe in it anymore. Do you believe in it? Do you still believe in it? What happened to it? Like, who killed the American dream? It seems like around the time that we decided we didn't need merit and meritocracy, we got into trouble. Like, I don't, I don't know of a year. I can't peg this to a year. I, I would say within the last 10 years, let's say 10, 12 years, I would, I would just rough it out. We started doing away with like keeping score at the kids' soccer game and honor rolls and valedictorians and admitting people to college based on their grades. Hiring the best applicant and not worrying that the staff was too male or too white or too this or too that or not enough this or not enough that, but just hiring the best person we could find. You're it. You're the one we want. And when you do away with meritocracy, people kind of notice that that isn't, that isn't a thing anymore. And if the stock isn't paying dividends, I'm not buying the stock. So if there are no dividends to hard work, then maybe I'm not going to work so hard. And we've heard that thing, what, the, what's, what do they call it, quiet quitting that people do? I mean, people are noticing what's going on. People see what's happened. We don't talk about it, but we notice it and we adjust our behavior accordingly. But I want to talk about that, and that's our question on today's River City Oral Surgery JR poll. Uh, what do you think about the American dream? 210-599-5555. Keep seeing stories in the news about... Um, inflation and prices and i noticed a big theme last week when i was away uh, from the show was that the biden administration has decided not to do something about the economy but to do something about the way people feel about the economy so they're having meetings and they're having staff potential staff shakeups and messaging the White House comms office is burning the midnight oil. But the idea is not to improve the economy. The idea is to figure out how to convince people that it's doing better than it really is. And I, I find this kind of fascinating. I've, I've never seen this before. I've, I've seen presidents in election years or coming up on election years suddenly get religion, right? It, it, it's almost an unwritten rule in politics. You, you tack to the center. 
you become pragmatic, you, you, you reach across the aisle, you, you, you fix, you pick the low hanging fruit, you fix some problems that people can notice you fixed. That's how you get reelected. Well, these people aren't even worrying about that. They're not abandoning their crazy Bidenomics. They're seeing if they can fool you into believing that it's, it's going well. There's been a spate of articles and commentaries. And if you watch the Sunday shows, the, 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 the sort of water carriers for Biden and the Democrats, the message is, oh, no, 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 things are going very well. You just don't know it. You don't realize it. You don't understand how well you're doing. And it's a little deeper than that because they're also working with big tech to start to alter the flow of stories and the, <clears throat> the algorithms around the news coverage so that people don't get negative economic news. It won't be in your news feed. I mean, it's a novel approach. If we can't fix the economy, we just make the economy kind of go away. But does that work? I mean, I, this is what I'm asking. It isn't like we're talking about our policy toward Ukraine or uh, the defense budget or something that is abstract to you and to me. How do you fool people or change their perception of something they're living? I buy groceries. I don't just read about grocery prices. I pay electric bills. I don't just read about them. How are you going to convince people or are you going to, is this going to work? Are you going to convince people that they're not struggling in Biden's economy? They just don't understand how well it's going. Do you think that, and I'm asking sincerely, not is that a thing, obviously that's ridiculous, but do you think they can fool people? Do you think they can pull that off? And and on a side note, by the way, they are flirting with violating the recent federal court orders. Remember just, I think it was just a month or so ago, maybe two, remember the, the Biden administration was told uh, by a federal judge, that the government could not collude with and have backdoor coordination with big tech. Well, I said it at the time. We all knew this at the time. They're going to do it anyway. Telling them not to do this is ridiculous. Of course they're going to do it. So right now, they are figuring out how to persuade you that you are not experiencing what you know you're actually experiencing. 60% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck right now. What do you think? Is that going to work? I don't mean on you. I know it's not working on you because you're listening to this show. You're not the kind of person that's going to fall for that. But, but, I mean, do you think that will work? Because I think this is the first time we've ever seen this. 210-599-5555. Now, talk a little bit about the election. So yesterday we were, we were discussing the fact that um, I, I don't really know any path forward other than Trump is the Republican nominee, Biden is the Democratic nominee, and then there's going to be, and this is what I said yesterday, there's going to be an X factor of people running outside the two parties and siphoning off votes from both parties. But each of these people, Robert Kennedy, Joe Manchin, Jill Stein, Cornell West, and anybody else that might get in, they will 
hurt one more than the other, and that's the game right there. That's going to decide the game. Now I noticed, uh, I saw this story today, uh, this is Jonathan Carl, ABC News. Um, major Trump donors are coming back to Trump. These are people that left him after 2020, big-time, big-money people, okay, rich people, not, not names that you necessarily know or have heard of, but major funders. And they're investing in Trump again. They're deciding that he is viable again. And a lot of them left either because he lost in 2020 or because they didn't like the way he handled January 6th. But they've come around to the idea that it's him. It's got to be him. And then I also saw a story about uh, some who are going to Haley. Have you noticed that Nikki Haley now is the person that if Trump must be stopped, if you're one of those people, he, she is now the one that they are lighting on. And I think that's interesting. Um, is she like the new, is she the new Jeb Bush? You know, like the new proper Republican. The whole Nikki Haley thing, I'm not putting her down. The whole Nikki Haley thing just sounds, it feels um, very much like a selection. Like if that were to happen, everybody would think, oh man, they they manipulated this. This wasn't real. You know, if she pulls off like an upset in Iowa, one of the early races is her home state, South Carolina. So keep an eye on that. How about Vivek or Vivek? I was thinking about him last week. Would you agree that Vivek Ramaswamy is basically Trump's policies in a different vessel? Like he, he agrees with Trump on just about everything. He's the most, uh, sort of complimentary or, um, laudatory of all the people running against Trump. He's the one that most often says, Great guy, great president, did a great job, great policies, just not the right man now. And I was thinking about this because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, my jury is out on Vivek. I, I, I know he's very smart. I know he's very ambitious. I don't know if I believe him. I don't know if I believe that he believes the stuff he says. He might be so smart that he just knows what you want to hear and is saying it, which was what Obama was. But anyway, um, I had a thought, and this is just me. If Vivek Ramaswamy really is what he seems to be and really believes what he says, then I would be more impressed by him if he announces before Iowa that he is getting out of the race, he endorses Trump, he goes to work for Trump, he fundraises, he tours the country, he organizes and gives events, not asking him to be the running mate. He doesn't want that, and I don't blame him. I would be totally in his column for 2028 if he did that in 2024. But if he doesn't, I'm going to continue to wonder if he's the real deal or if he is just a guy that has figured out what we want to hear and how we want to hear it.
What do you think about that? 210-599-5555. So we got a few things we're going to work on here. We've got a new JR poll we're going to get your votes on. We're going to check KTSA Time Saver Traffic right here. Stay connected and informed. Stay tuned. This is it. Accurate information. We need to know. Today, this is the Jack Riccardi Show. Now listen to this. We're blocking two left lanes, causing a 30-minute delay. I-37 southbound between I-10 and Steeds Avenue. Stop traffic from 35 downtown. Disabled vehicle right lane blocked. Five-minute delay on I-35 northbound at Shirts Parkway with slowdowns there from Olympia Parkway. And road construction right lane closed. Loop 410 eastbound between North WW White Road and exit 32. About a five-six-minute delay. I'm Debbie Sexton, KTSA Time Saver Traffic. Listen to this station anytime, anywhere on Odyssey. Odyssey is your new audio home for all the music, news, sports, and podcasts that matter to you. Odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. One of the biggest uh, gift segments, they say, is going to be electronics, personal use electronics, home electronics. So you know what? It's inevitable. You're going to be plugging more things in at your place in 2024. And Mr. Electric, one of the things they are called upon to do more and more is simply map more electricity to parts of the home that don't have enough outlets. If there's a, if there's a room or say a wall in your living room, I think everybody has this, that's just overloaded, you know, power strips and extension cords and three plugs in one and, Hey, let's not take chances with that stuff. You can get extra outlets where you need them. It's very affordable. And at Mr. Electric, anything they do inside your house or around your house is done by licensed, experienced, insured electricians. I'm a worry wart, and I sleep well when I know they've done the work at my house. I don't worry that a wire's crossed or something's wrong. I know they stand behind the work they do. They do it at a good price that you get up front. And one other thing with Mr. Electric, when you book an electrician from Mr. Electric at 210-248-2026, they'll do a whole home safety checkup while they're working in your home. So you get a report card on everything that touches electricity. 210-248-2026 or schedule online at mrelectric.com, mrelectric.com. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Merry Christmas, San Antonio. All right, 426 on KTSA, Jack McCarty, late afternoon show. Um, we're talking about the American dream. We're talking about the presidential race. Uh, a lot of uh, big-time donors are coming back to Trump. And I, that kind of tells you, I think, more than any pollster or pundit, if you follow the money, uh, these are people that want to be on the winning team. And they are uh, closing around Trump. At the same time, it looks to me like the, uh, I guess you'd say the, uh, like traditional elitist Republican leadership. They seem to be thinking, Oh, no, no, no. Nikki Haley is the future. And I don't know about you. And I, I don't have anything against her per se. I don't, I don't agree with her on everything. I don't think she's, she's a horrible person or anything. But the more I see this and the more I see the media, like, telling us she's the reasonable republican she's the she's the one if republicans uh, regain their sanity they'll they'll settle on nikki haley this just that just completely turns me against her i mean the when the view tells me this is who republicans should get behind i'm thinking no 
So we'll talk about all this and uh, get your votes in on the JR poll and many other things as we go along here at 210-599-5555. Scott is on the radio. Hi, Scott. Hey, Jack. Um, I totally agree with your assessment on Vivek's uh, campaign. And uh, I, I agree he's a smart guy. Uh, I think he should probably get out of the race sooner rather than later. <clears throat> what I would love to see happen is once Trump gets the nomination, is he gets Vivek to be, um, and he gets back in the White House. He gets him to be the White House chief of staff. I think that would be a better use of his talents, help him drain the swamp, and uh, would set him up for a, a run in uh, 2028. I feel like whoever runs in 2028 needs to kind of be outside Trump world. I, I don't I don't think being in Trump world is going to be a good place. I mean, you could make the case for him as chief of staff or in the cabinet or even as the vice president, but I, I, if he if he maintains his brand and helps get Trump elected, he doesn't really need a title for the next 4 years, you know? Yeah, I could see that. But but you know, to your point, Trump is going to need a thousand Vivek Ramaswamis. He's going to need a lot more people to do the swamp draining than he had last time. That's the that's the big thing. I don't I don't see this ending well if he goes in there and the deep state just swallows him whole like they did last time. Yeah, and that's my biggest concern is he he's going to need to bring an army with him in order to yeah. try and uh, drain yeah. the swamp. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of smart people and. Scott, thanks for the call. Good to have you on our show. Uh, Jay is on the radio. Hi, Jay. Hi, Jack. How are you? Listen, I agree with uh, with your assessment also, much like Scott. Um, Nikki Haley's got the Koch brothers behind her. Yes. Okay, and the Koch brothers were always uh, super globalist, George Bush acolytes. Um, and then Vivek Ramaswamy... Well, he's controlled opposition, in my opinion, because he's got George Soros backing him. So, you know, you got to be suspect of somebody who's got someone like George Soros behind him. Because George Soros is responsible for so much calamity, um, it's just unreal. Now, and, are, you, um, are you referring to the scholarship that a young Vivek Ramaswamy received, or are you aware of current Soros money that I don't know about? No, I'm not aware of current money. I'm aware of uh, uh, alliances and because uh, I got to tell you, Jay, I don't know if I hold the scholarship against them. I, I, for all I know, I mean, I could have received a George Soros scholarship. I wouldn't have even known. I mean, I, I think that money is in a lot of places. I don't hold that. I, I'm not. I'm not ready to hold that against him unless I see him espousing policies that are favorable to what Soros wants. I'm not going to hold that against him. Fair enough. I agree with that too. But you know, at the same time, you know, you gotta you gotta dance with the one who brung you, okay? And um, a lot of where he is today is probably uh, in part and parcel to the contributions made by some of these types of people. Well, that, I don't even know, know if I agree with that because, to my, if, if I remember reading it right, and you probably know more about this than I do, but I think he was already worth a lot of money. In fact, the question at the time was, why did you need a scholarship at all? You had millions of dollars. Your family had millions of dollars. Um, I don't know that he, I don't know that he actually owes Soros anything. And, and yeah, I know we're all worried about any Soros connection, but I'm not sure that's what that is. 
that's fair. That's fair enough, Jack. I, I love your show, and I just wanted to chime in on the Koch yeah. brothers thing. That's recent, yeah. hot, off the press yeah. kind of stuff. That is going um, on, I don't yeah. know whether that's official or whether, you know, maybe she did not solicit that endorsement, but uh, when the Koch brothers start endorsing you, you've got to look back at their past and what their previous liaisons were and well, it isn't just them, though. Like, like, like we were saying, she's also, and this may not be her fault. I don't know, but she seems to be the everyone who's pointing at her as the reasonable best choice are all people that would have no interest in the Republicans or the conservative agenda prevailing. So, being told you should settle on her is like being told in 2016 you should settle on Jeb Bush. Well, I think that they 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 see her as malleable. Okay? Yes. Well, or or as just very traditional, like 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 Scott said, and you said globalist. Never met a war she didn't like. Um, seems to have a lot of confidence in um, international institutions, and that's not where the future's going. I'm not a I'm not a, a nativist or a an isolationist, but the the future is not globalism. The the, glo- the globalist era no. is ending. Uh, not yes. not beginning. So, yeah, I think that's a good thing well, to be yeah. wary of. Jay, thanks Love. thanks for the call. Thanks for being on our show. We'll get to more of these coming up. An update on Rampin' with Jack coming up and another check of KTSA Time Saver Traffic. I've been, I've been telling friends, family, uh, coworkers, business associates about Palomar uh, ever since I first tried it, and I've been back several more times, and I love this place. If you haven't been yet, Palomar is a fairly new Mexican restaurant on West Avenue between uh, Wurzbach Parkway and Nakoma. And it, there there was another Mexican restaurant in that space, but just forget about that because they totally rehabbed the building and it's an entirely different group of people, entirely different menu, and it's very, very good. And I know when I first saw it opening, I wondered, how do you open a new Mexican restaurant in a town that has so many good ones? But Palomar is going to work its way into your favorites list, I'm telling you. Whether you go with something like the sour cream enchiladas or one of the nacho dishes or the mesquite grilled meats that are in the fajitas and just anything that's anything that has chicken or beef in it, the mesquite grilling, you'll taste it, you'll love it. Um, it's going to be a very popular place for Christmas parties, and they're booking those already. Or if you want them to cater an event at your at your house or in your company, uh, that's Palomar for lunch and dinner. They're at twelve six fifty six West Avenue. That's between Wurzbach Parkway and Nakoma. Palomar Cocina and Comida. Sitting in traffic can suck the ho 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 out of your holiday. Don't get stuck in backups and delays. Stay connected. Get the latest traffic and weather together every 10 minutes with a 550 KTSA Morning News with Trey Ware. Now on FM 1071. Merry Christmas, baby. You should have treated me nice Merry Christmas, baby Should have treated me nice 439 on San Antonio's News Talk Station 550 1071 Jack Christmas. Riccardi Show Join the show at 210 599 5555 the American dream, which for our purposes we'll define as two things. 
I believe in hard work. I, I believe that if I work hard or I teach my children to work hard in whatever they're doing, school or their first job, whatever, hard work pays off. And the other piece of the traditional understanding of the American dream is the aspiration that our kids will do better than we did and that it's always possible to do better. That it's not a pie that just gets cut in different size slices, but it's a pie that gets bigger. Do you believe that? Do you still believe that? Or did you used to believe that? And two recent surveys by the Wall Street Journal and NBC say people don't believe that anymore. And I don't blame them. I mean, they're looking at, they're looking at the world. They're watching the way things are done. I'm not going to say it's literally totally untrue, but I don't blame people for thinking, yeah, it might not really be how to get ahead. Like maybe the way to get ahead in 2023 is to check the box that says non-white. Or maybe the way to get ahead in 2023 is to figure out what the other guy is doing and do that. This whole show up early, stay late. Yeah, that used to work. I'm not seeing that anymore. But what happens if people don't believe in that? I, I've noticed, and, and I'm sure you have too, that around the world, we're living in a time of like diminished expectations. So whether you're a Brit or a Brazilian or whatever country you live in, you're accepting less. We're going to eat bugs. We're going to have intermittent electricity. Stuff like that. And in those other countries, that might be okay. Like, you may be able to have a, a diminished version of that country. Because that country, when you come right down to it, is is DNA. It's lineage. It's blood. It's, it's, the, it's a country of people who are that country because they're all from that country, although that is changing. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm very fond of, and I, I repeat it a lot on the show, I'm very fond of the, the quotes from the rock singer Bono, who, although he's not an American, is a great admirer of America, and has said America is not just a country, it's an idea. Which is one of the best descriptions I've ever heard of our country. And what he means is that we're not just a bloodline or DNA. We're an idea. And when you're part of an idea, there has to be buy-in. And I don't mean reciting the Pledge of Allegiance or platitudes. You, you have to take the stuff that we were built around, like the stuff in the Declaration of Independence or the Gettysburg Address. You, you actually have to buy into that. And you could buy into it as your birthright, you can buy into it because you moved here from another place or you came here from another country. But that's those are the blueprints of this house that we all live in. And so this it's possible to have another country and just have a diminished version of it, but I don't think you can have an America where people don't believe. I think we have to have it. And 
it, it, there's no doubt people have noticed what's going on and they're not as uh, confident in it. I think there's a lot of people that want to believe it. I, I really want to believe it. And I would love to be able to tell my daughter, yes, absolutely, work hard. But I, if I'm going to be honest, that's not really w- how it's working right now. And that's to me, that's shocking. I don't know about you, but that that's I I, I don't I don't like it. But I see where people are going with it. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. So we're going to talk about that. And I was mentioning. Um, this is kind of like a science fiction movie that we're living in with the economy because they're going to attempt over the course of the next year, they being the Democrats and the media, to project an alternate reality onto the reality that you're living. So when you pay more for food, no, you didn't. When you pay more for your utility bill, no, you didn't. Have you seen the the last Mission Impossible movie with, uh, I think it's the most recent one. There's a scene where Tom Cruise is breaking into the Kremlin. Have you seen this scene? And the way he's getting into this, I don't, I don't remember the exact plot, but he has to get into some secret room, and there's a guard, and they they give him this, this uh, inflatable plasma screen that projects a fake wall, so the guard never sees Tom Cruise because he sees the wall that he's used to seeing while he sits there on his guard post. And as long as that picture stays stable, the guard doesn't think anything's going on. They project a reality he's familiar with and comfortable with, and he doesn't check it out. He's looking. He's not looking at a real wall. He's looking at a picture of the wall. And I, I guess that's what they're going to do. I mean, that's you're 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 going to be living in this economy. You're going to be paying actual bills, but you're going to believe things are better than they are. Is that going to work? It doesn't. Spoiler alert: It doesn't work in the movie. Is that, is that going to work? Um, do you think people will be fooled by that? Can you control with algorithms and uh, social media? You know, algorithms flow, news flow. Can you? Can you convince people that food isn't more expensive, gas isn't more expensive? It's going to be very interesting. Why would any politician actually make things better or try to if you can simply create the illusion that things are good? I don't know how that works. But it looks like that's what they're trying. Uh, And they really believe that they need to simply reduce the number of stories in your news feed that refer to the price of a Big Mac or the price of groceries or whatever. And that's their priority. Reject the evidence of your eyes, as Orwell said. And it's a powerful collusion, right? It's social media, big tech companies, and the federal government. That's pretty powerful. I mean, that's your that's most of your world. Can they pull that off, do you think? 210 599 55. So we'll talk about that. We've got a poll question we're working on. Uh, we're going to talk some more about the, uh, the dead spin story of the kid that went to the Kansas City Chiefs game and painted his face. 
Get more to say about that. Of course, your calls. You can join the show, 210-599-5555, as we get a look at KTSA Time Saver Traffic. Today's JR poll at KTSA.com is powered by River City Oral Surgery. Oh, oh, oh. KTSA salutes the troops. Just want to say hi to my wife, Erica. I'm out of here deployed at Kenya, Saudi Arabia, Major A.J. Hall. And I just want to say, have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I can't wait to get home. Love and miss you. Brought to you by the Institute for Functional Health and Laurel Ridge. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling, too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Can you believe, I mean, can you believe that we are just a week and a day away from Rapping with Jack? It's next Wednesday night. It's a week from tomorrow night. And we'll be at the famous Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma for our second year uh, with Christmas music and people wrapping gifts that have been donated and made possible by your donations to Family Service Association. You can get all the details at KTSA.com. There's a Rappin' with Jack page. You can give right there. So if it sounds good to you, bang, you just hit your debit card, your credit card, you've helped. Or you can buy items, and we have a list of suggested gift items, and drop them with our sponsors, bring them with you that night. Mary Gar is the president and CEO of Family Service Association. She's joining us right now on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. And and Mary, I'm, I'm always like excited and, and apprehensive at the same time when we get to this point because really the, the last week is when we, we get the big response, uh, you know, this is where uh, we make or break. This is where a lot of people start to, you know, Thanksgiving is over, and now they, they figure out if they're able to help and how they want to help. And how, how does it feel like it's going from where you're sitting? Jack, we have been so appreciative of the response we've been receiving from your listeners. Um, so far, folks have been responding to all of your call-outs to them, and They've been going online, they've been donating, they've been dropping off gifts. But as you said, this is our last week before Wrapping with Jack yep. is next week, and we definitely need more help. So anything that they could do to help get us over that finish line to make sure that we've got a great Christmas for our families would be wonderful. What we're talking about are the families that you work with all throughout the year. And, you know, I suppose there are some organizations that just sort of set a number, like set a goal, like we all have at our church, you know, those those thermometer charts, you know, when you're fundraising. But in your case, what we're talking about is an actual number of people. These are the families you work with all year, and our goal is a gift for each member of each family. So it's not an arbitrary goal. These are real people, and what hangs in the balance is, do they have something with their name on it on Christmas Day or or not, right? Exactly. So yeah, each each person is real. Each family is real. So we can give out numbers, and, and I'll be glad to do so right now. We have over 600 families um, that are signed up, and the number of family members differ depending on the size of the family, but we're at about 25, 2,700 people right now. Um, we have some that are large families, some even just one when we have older adults who are home alone. But every single one has a need out there, 
and we work to try to um, you know, meet those needs. And sometimes if we have a new client come in at the last second that we identify really needs to be helped this year, then we work to find a way to meet that need so they don't go without. We're talking about pajamas and underwear and socks and um, hairbrushes and kitchen uh, appliances like pots and pans. And th- these are needs for these uh, families. These are not uh, you know, luxuries or frills. And, and really, when we, when we tell people it's easy to give, what we mean is if you give on the website, if you make a donation at ktsa.com on the Wrapping with Jack page, Family Service Association can go out and get those things. And you're do- when you spend our dollars, they go further than we, when we spend them, right? Absolutely. As a nonprofit, we're able to help, um, you know, make those dollars go a lot farther. And as you said, for a lot of these family members, these are needed items, not just wants. We've even had family members ask for cleaning supplies on their Christmas wish list yeah. because that's where they're at at this point in their life. Obviously, for the kids, we're hoping for toys and stuff, teenagers, things that teens, you know, like and need. But a lot of these are tied to real needs, just things that, you know, we would take for granted but are really important in their lives to get through day to day. Yeah, It it always struck me when I would see the the things kids were asking for. It was always stuff that you you just assume a kid would already have, like like a hairbrush or, um, you know, underwear. Um, But when you don't have that, that becomes foremost in your mind, and and a little thing like that is the difference between indignity and dignity. Correct, correct, and we see that you know that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, a lot of the folks we serve are working on that bottom tier of just trying to get through day by day. Yeah. So if it moves you, and I know it's it seems very early in our seasons, but this is the home stretch for Rapping with Jack and Family Service Association. Please, uh, if it moves you, go to KTSA.com and do it right now while you're thinking of it. Do it before you leave work. Um, and for those that have already given, we're, we're as Mary mentioned, we're very, very grateful. Thank you. We hope to see everybody on December 6th out at the famous Blue Bonnet Palace. And Mary, thank you so much for the time. We always appreciate the visits with you. Jack, thank you so much for all your support year after year with you and your team, your listeners, your sponsors. You know, this is a time to bring Christmas joy and support to people in need, and we just really appreciate how your listeners rise up and come through for us year after year. And we know this will be another great year, and we so look forward to to seeing people out there next week helping out. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mary. So answer prayers. Be the answer to prayers. Go to KTSA.com. Much more Jack Riccardi show coming up here right after the news. Looking at some video where apparently uh, the White House Christmas tree fell over, the the outdoor one, uh, because of wind in Washington, D.C. I'm going to resist the temptation to make that emblematic or symbolic. I'm just, it looked like they were able to stand it up and repair the damage you've ever had a christmas tree fall over like have you ever had a have you ever had a a christmas tree disaster at your house like i i've been very lucky you you hear all the horror stories about the the dog did this and the cat attacked it and climbed it and i've never had a pet do anything to the christmas tree or damage it or knock it over um closest thing was I, i did have a dog one time that ate an ornament you know when kids are little and they like in school they make those little like 
I don't know what it is. It's like pastry or dough ornaments. And not thinking, Gabby had made a little thing, so like preschool, put it on the tree, come home, the dog's eaten the ornament. Fortunately, did not eat the hook. That's really it. I've been very, <laughs> that was the worst thing. I, when I, when I was uh, years and years ago, when I first had my first apartment, and I was a single guy, and I didn't know what I was doing about anything, I, I think I bought like a Christmas tree off a bad lot, and it had something living in it, had some kind of infestation I had to throw it away like and get another one in the middle of the season but that was it never had one fall over like that so hopefully you don't either hopefully all is well with the tree if you even have the tree yet uh welcome to our show jack ricardi on 550 and 1071 ktsa i don't know what a, other word to use than evil for uh, uh an adult who would go after a kid whose crime, whose sin, was going to his football game and painting his face with the team colors. We talked about this yesterday. This this little boy went to a Kansas City Chiefs game. Um, I don't know, I don't know this this kid's name, and I don't think we would want to use it even if we did know it. But a guy named Karen Phillips, or Karan Phillips, I don't know how you say it, wrote a piece for Deadspin calling out this little boy who looks like he's about 10 years old for wearing blackface, quote-unquote, and he should be banned and his family should be banned and shame on the Kansas City Chiefs organization and shame on the NFL and Phillips is just on, you know, I was going to say he's on the warpath. All right, I'll find another way to say it. He is... Uh, just on a rampage over this. And, I, you know, on one level, you're like, people paint their faces for sporting events all the time. You talk about selective outrage. That's all he did. He, and he wore an Indian headdress because they're the Chiefs. I am sure that's happened countless times in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs and every other sports team, pro or college, that has a Native American or Indian nickname. It it just takes a very evil, twisted, unhappy person to run this kid's picture, which they did, and target him imagine hating your imagine you're a grown-ass man and you hate your life so much that you focus on a child and the story is that the kid had his face painted black and red in support of his team and it would be understandable, like, if you were not a football fan and you didn't know that people did that, but all you'd have to do is ask, check, talk to someone, expand your universe a little. I'm not saying everybody has to be a sports fan. I'm not saying everybody has to do this. I've never done it. I'm a sports fan. I've never painted my face. But people do. It's a thing. 
And then I started thinking about it another way. Um, if you really care about blackface or the mockery of or the belittling of black people, you really have to choose your battles. You really have to be focused on examples where it is malicious and mocking. Because otherwise, you've really just lost the room for whatever discussion you thought you were having or wanted to have by ignorantly or immaturely including a non-example. Like, this is not... This isn't it. And we could even go a little further. We now live in a time, like it or not, when we tell children, if you feel like a girl, you're a girl. If you feel like a boy, you're a boy. You can pick your gender. You can pick your pronouns. You can collude with your classroom teacher on a new sexual identity you can pick it, no matter how young you are. Babies can decide. Toddlers can decide. And parents cannot decide. Parents have no say. It's against the law if a parent does not recognize the gender assumption of their child. So you're telling me that Immature, and I don't mean that as a put-down, they're, they're not at the level of maturity. They haven't reached the age of maturity. Immature children can pick their sexuality, but not the color they paint their face. It, it, it is not acceptable for him to paint his face red and black, but if he had gone to the game and put makeup on and said, I'm a girl, that would have been okay. If he had painted F. Israel on his face with grease pencil, that would have been okay. Right? I mean, th there are no rules anymore. We're just going with feels. And again, I I'm okay with, you know, pick your lane and do your thing, and Karen Phillips wants to be famous, but for God's sakes, a kid? Could he find an adult in the crowd that had painted? I'm sure there were. I'm sure there were people there that, I mean, the Chiefs are having a great year. There's a lot of fans, and people are painting their face, and guys are going to the game with no shirt on, painting, you know, the logo on their chest and all that stuff. You you had to make it about a kid? You can't really make a moral stance when you do something as automatically and inherently immoral as that. And for that matter, let me even expand the question a little more. Do we, is there even a thing like hate speech anymore? Have we not stretched that beyond all meaning? I mean, I remember when that whole terminology and we started seeing hate crime laws, I think this was in the nineties, come along. I had the reaction that I think a lot of people did. I'm not claiming to have originated it, but, um, it seems like in the beginning, hate crimes were already crimes. Like if you were beating somebody up for who they were, the beating them up part was the crime. And we didn't need a separate category or, or characterization of it. 
And moreover, you know, if somebody hurts you or takes from you, the, the hurting of you and the taking of you is obviously way more important to to, to, to everyone, to you, to society, to the law, that, than why they did it. And the prisons are full of people that have committed crimes and don't even can't even explain why they did. I don't know, and and so I. But that was a losing battle because hate crimes and hate speech that became accepted terminology, and and now it, it's with us and it's part of the, the 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 law. But at this point, I don't know that it even exists. I don't know that it even can exist. It's been so stretched and, and made so amorphous and applied to so many things. And it's, it seems more ridiculous than when I first heard about it. I don't know. How do you feel about that? 210-599-5555. We're going to kick that around, get your votes into the JR poll. Grab a line. I'm coming to you after we get a look at KTSA Time Saver Traffic. Hey, this is Sean Rima. Stay connected with News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071 on Facebook, Twitter, and online at KTSA.com. Have you seen the uh, couple months early? That's been in your, uh, on your screen or in your world or your universe. There's a lot of stuff going on. Hard to keep track of it all. But I want to touch on that a little bit. It's why I brought up uh, hate speech um and hate crimes and stuff like that 210-599-5555 as we talk about what's going on in the world what's going on in our lives and you can join the show the jack riccardi show on ktsa like curtis is doing right now curtis good afternoon hi how are you doing i'm good thank you how are you uh i'm doing good you know i i don't know how old this little boy is um i've seen pictures of him he looks pretty young um i'd be willing to bet he doesn't even know what blackface is. Probably not. Um, you know, and this idea of, of everyone wearing their feelings on their sleeve is really getting tired. Um, you know, I, I remember when, uh, when I was in high school, the cheerleaders at football games had a cheer that went, blood makes the grass grow, kill them, kill them. I guess if they were to do that now, people's heads would just start exploding. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. That would be genocide. But, uh, yeah, yeah, verbal genocide. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't understand it. Um, I would be willing to bet that instead of having uh, uh, makeup on in the color of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and instead of having a headdress on, if he had a dress on, people would be just fine with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that would be a beautiful you know? thing. Yeah, yeah, and so you're, you know, that's and, what and I'm I saying. Hate, uh, it's it, you're you're basically asking us to believe that kids cannot choose their team colors, but they can choose their gender. That right, makes right. no sense. Right, and and you know I, not to get off on a tangent, on a tangent, but getting back to the little dress thing, you know I I just feel like boys nowadays they're not allowed to be boys. You know, they're, they're not allowed to, to play like, you know, like we did and, and be rough and tough and everything. And sometimes I really think that the American male in America is, is under attack. Hmm. I wonder why that would be happening. I wonder, 
I wonder why somebody would define masculinity as toxic and why we would want to convert uh, boys and young men into genderless drones. I wonder why you would do that. Yeah, you know, Jack, I, I, I look at guys, you know, in, in my day-to-day dealings, like when I go to Home Depot and, and even sometimes at work, and I wonder how many men nowadays can even change a tire. Yeah. Um, and, and I've noticed that, uh, that male roles on, uh, on TV and, and in commercials, you know, the, the uh, so-called, you know, macho ma- male is, is made fun of and made to look right. like a buffoon. And, right. You know, I, I, j- I just don't understand it. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, you're, you're on to something there, Curtis. I appreciate you. Thank you for the call. Uh, 210-599-5555. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how old he is. He looks like he's about 10 years old, but, uh, he should not be the focus of anyone's crusade or commentary. And if, if, look, if you want to, if you want to write a thing that says, uh, hey, I don't think people should paint their faces or wear, wear the colors of the team, go ahead and do that. You don't need the kid to do that. I mean, it's still a ridiculous argument, but, you do not need that the, the stadium is full of adults you do not need and you did not need to focus on him that is that is the creepiest part of a very creepy uh story um and just as a funny sort of side note um th- they got on quite a kick about this guy on outkick and it turns out somebody pulled up his his social media this Caron Phillips and this this guy, on his own X feed, has made some incredibly racist comments. Uh, he, at one point, he was writing about um, I think Flint, Michigan, and he was saying that there was an uncomfortable number of white people on the street. I mean, so you are essentially calling out racism, and you are a racist, or at least a racialist, and you know I. Again, make the case, make the argument if you must, but play with people your own age. 210-599-5555. If you haven't noticed, Ireland is pretty much like exploding. The country of Ireland is seeing... um, Riots and demonstrations. And there was an incident where several children were stabbed by a Muslim immigrant. And it brought to the surface, fairly or not, you know, you can argue both ways, but it brought to the surface the frustration people have in that country and in many countries over unchecked and ill-considered immigration policies that have resulted in large populations of people in these countries but not assimilating or, or uh, if you will, belonging to these countries. And so Ireland, like many European countries, now has no-go zones and neighborhoods that are outside the reach of the law and people trying to govern by Sharia law. And so people have, this was the straw that broke the camel's back in Ireland and people got upset. Well, the 
the Prime Minister of Ireland is himself an immigrant. The Prime Minister uh, himself is the son of, I believe the son of, so second generation of Indian immigrants. And he was elected by the Irish people, despite not being Irish. His name is Varadkar. He is calling for massive, sweeping, online censorship, control of the press, restrictions on individual speech. We need to stop people from speaking hatefully. We need to bring our laws up to date for the social media age. He doesn't specify what constitutes hatred, but clearly he doesn't like the reaction to the stabbings. And, of course, the more he is calling for this, the more that reaction is becoming vehement and loud. And now his government is referring to its own people, people that are simply speaking out about immigration and free speech as far-right terrorists and um, insurrectionists. Does any of this sound familiar? And um, this is a pattern in many countries. Not that every country has exactly what we have, the enshrinement of you know, the Bill of Rights, but there is some general understanding of the free speech marketplace in, in, in European countries. And yet, and yet governments under pressure because they've made bad decisions about immigration and they have unleashed lawlessness and fear and violence on their own people and their cities are in, in flames. Instead of, you know, getting their arms around that problem, instead of admitting that they've, they've made a mistake, a massive historic mistake they are punishing their own people and they are naming them and calling them out as the problem how's that going to end a non-irish irish prime minister calling out irish people for being insufficiently or disappointingly irish how's that going to work calling your own people terrorists this is what trudeau did in canada during covid People who refused the jab, who questioned the mandates and the lockdowns. You're terrorists. So they're not talking about taking action against the people that are violent. They are inflaming the people that are the victims of the violence. And that's just one country. And Ireland is an interesting case study because I remember years and years ago, you'd read these articles about how Ireland was the future. It's a very business-friendly country. It's uh, well. It welcomes foreign visitors and foreign investment. There were American companies in the '90s. A very common business news headline was American companies expanding to or even moving to Ireland. They had favorable tax policies. This was this was the future. This was going to be if the United States didn't get its act together, Ireland was going to poach a lot of its uh, economy. They said. Well, um, this is where they are now. And again, it's the, it, the same pattern over and over again. Bad decisions by the people in charge, 
And then those people turning on their own citizens going, well, you're the, you're the problem. You're to blame. We're disappointed in you. Not you should be disappointed in us. We're disappointed in you. 210-599-5555. We'll talk about that, and we'll get your votes in today's River City Oral Surgery JR poll. Where are you when it comes to the American dream, so-called? How do you think uh, or how do you feel about that? We'll talk about it on 550 and 1071 KTSA. As we get into the holidays, you're going to see businesses advertising holiday hours and uh, maybe not being available over the actual holidays. But if Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning is your plumber, is your AC and heating company, they're available all the time, 24-7, 365 days a year. There's never, never a time you can't get help from Quarter Moon. And I can say that not because it's written down somewhere, but because I've been their customer for years and I've had to call on holiday weekends and at night and stuff like that. It's, you hope it, you hope it doesn't happen, but it's peace of mind to know they're big enough and they're built to be there for you. Whether you need a plumber or you need the heat looked into or turned back on or you want to do a checkup of your heating system before we get into the really cold weather, you can still set that up. 210-651-5899. 210-651-5899. And when you're out and about and you see a quarter moon truck or van, remember that every one of them is a mobile drop-off for Wrapping with Jack. You can uh, donate uh, with the guys you see, with the vehicles you see for quarter moon, and that'll be right up through next Wednesday. 210-651-5899 or quartermoonplumbing.com. License numbers M13229, TACLA, 0074345E. Frosted window panes, candles gleaming inside, painted candy canes on the tree. Santa's on his way, he's filled his sleigh with things, things for you and for me. It's that time of year when the world falls in love. 540 on KTSA. Hi there, Jack McCarty. Welcome to our dreadful little show. You can join it at 210 5555. This thing in Ireland uh, was the subject of Tucker Carlson's most recent um, X broadcast, and he had Steve Bannon on. Um, who I'm not a big, uh, particularly a big fan of, but they had an interesting conversation, and Bannon made some good points about it. They were they were talking about how this thing got started, the uh, stabbing of several people, including children, that is still not entirely. We're not entirely sure what this guy was doing and why he did it, but in any event, um, it it brought to the surface an ongoing dilemma that Ireland and many countries have with ill-considered immigration policies. And in all of these countries, you basically now have the population that lives there and is, is the country and is of the country. And then you have this population of people that have made no effort to assimilate, have, uh, 
you know, basically rejected rule of law, the culture. And this is the this is globalism, if you will. This is what it looks like when you live with it. Uh, so your own politicians have sold out your country, its culture, its sovereignty. And they were talking about this. And this is uh, Steve Bannon with Tucker Carlson. Listen to this. Uh, you're going to see hate speech law. You're going to see, I mean, even the discussion about this over the last couple of weeks with the people at Project 2025 and Stephen Miller and others have all of a sudden got the, the media saying, oh, we're setting up concentration camps. This is going to be worse than the Japanese in World War II, all of that. And that's just even mentioning the concept of it. So uh, the the issue of how it happened, and it's happening every day in the country, is bad enough. And if you stand up to it, you know, you're, you're called a nativist, a xenophobe, a racist, uh, you know, a, a domestic terrorist, a violent extremist. But if you even start to uh, bring up what's going to happen for, th- for a solution, like in Midtown Manhattan, where you have to empty out the Roosevelt Hotel and those folks have to go home, uh, it's going to get 10 times worse. And so I hope people that watch your show appreciate the fact, uh, particularly maybe people that are not that political, that we're going to have and not just turbulence. We're going to have a firestorm in this country that is going to pale in comparison, I think, to what you saw in Ireland last week. So he was talking about if you if you are presuming or hoping that Trump is elected in 2024, and that there is the resetting of a sensible immigration policy, the resetting of border enforcement, that will necessitate massive corrections from the last four years, including deporting illegal immigrants. Now, I'm not even talking about what the people you're deporting will do or how they'll feel about it. But what Bannon is saying is, even when you just talk about restoring sanity and pragmatism to the immigration laws, you get called, you know, a Nazi and a and a and a war criminal and and what have you. So we're not even doing it, and we've defined it as it's you're the worst human being in the world. When somebody goes to do it, it's it's going to be bad. It's going to be like almost like a civil war i mean look at the the visceral albeit illogical support of the palestinians if you can get people that worked up to turn out in massive numbers to destroy and vandalize public property to assault people they disagree with to to um march with swastikas to call for from the river to the sea to um right i mean all of this for something that's happening thousands of miles away imagine how you can activate those same people the people i called wooden sticks yesterday Uh, imagine how you can activate them when you are taking down the broken immigration system here in this country you're doing it you're not talking about it you're not theorizing about it you're actually doing it so it's one thing to say, oh, I hope Trump wins and we get this thing turned around, but the turning it around is going to be, Ireland shows us what it's going to look like. And our own elites are doing the same thing these European elites are doing. They are constantly telling us, we the people, 
I mean, we are the country when you get right down to it, right? I mean, the country is not its government. We're the country. They're telling us, you're a disappointment to us. Your, your attitude, your behavior, your, your opinions, the, the, the priorities you have, the values you have, we're very disappointed in you. Yeah, I used to think that was Obama because he had that way of like, he always looked like he smelled something that didn't smell very good, right? He always had that look on his face like he was smelling us and we didn't smell too good to him. He didn't want to be downwind of us. But he always had that, ah, this is not who we are. And, you know, that kind of disappointing cadence. But, but actually, it really, it really isn't him at all. It's that entire class of people in which he moves and of which he's a part. Biden, by the way, really isn't, but he has to kind of read the lines off the teleprompter and be, be in on it. That's, that's the deal that allows him to be president. But it's that leadership elite. And, and I, I have to say, I think this, there's a lot of people in the Republican party like that too. They're, they're just disappointed that so many people go to NASCAR and paint their face when they go to a football game and still want to drive gasoline cars and eat meat and, you know, and, and then this whole thing with immigration, you know, there should be no illegal people. And to prove that we're going to make it illegal for you to talk about it. Interesting, right? They, they pivot so quickly from there should be no illegal humans to, there should be a law that you can't question what we're doing about immigration. That's that's where it's at. That's why people are in the streets in Ireland and probably will be here. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. We'll talk about it. We're going to check the Jack Chat line coming up as well. And we'll get a look at KTSA Time Saver Traffic right here. Today's JR poll at KTSA.com is powered by River City Oral Surgery. Sitting in holiday traffic can take the jingle out of your bells. Don't waste time sitting in backups and delays. Stay connected. Get the latest traffic and weather together every 10 minutes with a 550 KTSA Morning News with Trey Ware. Now on FM 1071. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim. Pentatonics on our show on a Tuesday afternoon, 553 on KTSA. Jack Riccardi, there's a, uh, a uh, politician in Sweden I was reading about leader of the Sweden Democrats, it's the name of the party, uh, and he gave a speech the other day where he said that um, if there are mosques and um, other uh, Islamic institutions in this country, in Sweden, that are preaching uh, anti-Semitism, that are preaching terrorism that are uh, anti-Swedish, anti-democratic, anti-freedom, homophobic, calling for Sharia law to replace rule of law. These need to be demolished, he said. This is going to get very bloody 
in these countries that have made this incredible historic error of letting people in and not assimilating or even asking them to. And I, I wonder how it will replicate here. We're, we're different. We have, we have more assimilation here. We have more of a history of it. We're a bigger country, but it, it, it looks grim. Uh, when you look at all these other places. Anyway, um, I want to get to the Jack Chat line, and let's see what's on there. This is the phone number that you can call, kind of like uh, leaving a voice message. Uh, you can call at any time if you're listening to the podcast or if you're listening to the live show. You can call 210-599-5550. Leave your name, town, and comment about anything, anything at all. Let's see what we have right now on the Jack Chat line. Hi, this is Jim from Virginia Beach. About these ha- the hostage release... Yeah, and then negotiating with terrorists is is wrong. But to get this ball to get it started, maybe that's the way to go. They get a few out, maybe they'll be able to get some intelligence from them to find out to help them find the remaining because they're not gonna release them all. You know, they're gonna always be holding some back. And and, you know, it it's unlikely they're all gonna be get out alive too very unlikely so at least if this can get an edge because you know the idea that if you do it once you're going to have to do it a lot that might be true but also if they do an example of they got a few and then really ramp up the uh ramp up the power against the evildoers holding the hostages and maybe then um they'll remember that too so yeah um, he was referring to, uh, that was a reference to, uh, when we were talking yesterday about, d- even when we say we don't negotiate for hostages, I think we do. Even when we say we don't pay for hostages, I think we do. I think every, probably every country does. I think it would go down a little better if you knew that you were a country like Israel, at least historically has been, where whatever it took to get them out, you did that, but then you, you never rested until you found and killed every last kidnapper, every last perpetrator of it. You, you, you have to be able to do that. And historically, they did. I don't know if they still do. All right, next up on the Jack Chat line. Hey, Jack, this is Alan from Spring Branch. Good to have you back this week. Uh, while you're out, I was listening to the uh, conservative media, radio, TV, and it seems like they've all declared Trump the winner of the presidential twenty. 24 election or next year's election. You know, he's ahead in every poll, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the problem is they don't realize that those same people declared that probably him the winner in 20, you know, three years ago, they declared him the winner, uh, or they declared the Republicans the, you know, the, the red wave and the midterms. They declared us the winners and the 2023 elections, of which we all pretty much lost, all three of those. And the problem with it is they're too focused on the message and not on the mechanics of the election. I don't think, you know, you would think on the message that, you know, how could Republicans lose? But but it's the mechanics that's going to kill us. Mm -hmm. We don't get out there and figure out how to win you know, weeks prior to the election, on the day of the election. If they don't do something yeah. different, 
yeah. then it's just going to be another repeat of totally the past agree. Three. Totally so, agree. Uh, totally agree. Okay. There's no, no, no doubt about it. Uh, and I don't think, I don't think they have. I don't think the Republicans have yet engaged in the new ways that elections are conducted: early voting, vote harvesting, absentee ballots, controlling, um, and being present for the vote counting. Uh, still not there, still haven't done it, still more interested in saying it's not a problem than just acknowledging that it is and and playing by the new rules. All right, let's check one more on the Jack Chat line. Phone on you went from sanctimonious white people who virtue signal by defending minorities to Greg Popovich. Perfect segue because Greg Popovich is a... White person who virtue signals way too much and lectures way too much and defends minorities that really don't need defending by rich white people such as himself. Great segue, man, uh, because Greg's a typical white guy who wanted the name change on a Washington football team. Go Redskins, go Mavericks. <laughs> okay. A lot of reaction to the Popovich story yesterday. Hey, we've got the news. Tom will run everything down for us. And more Jack Riccardi show coming up here on KTSA. Seven after six on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA. I mentioned um, the Mission Impossible movie. Uh, I saw the most recent one with uh, Tom Cruise, and um, I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan, but I got to admit he he's he's got that thing down. Like I, I remember the TV. I'm so old. I remember the TV series. A lot of people have no idea what I'm talking about. But before it was movies, it was a TV series. And uh, and I mean, when we were kids, it was like it was like it was like a James Bond movie every week. I mean, it was such a good show. But he has done such a great job with that movie franchise. But of course, what's the most what's the most recognizable line in Mission Impossible? I mean, if you know nothing, you know your mission, should you choose to accept it, right? It's in every movie. It's in every episode of the TV show. Your mission, should you choose to accept it? If you fail, the secretary will disavow all knowledge of your mission. This message will self-destruct in whatever it was, seven seconds or whatever. And that got me thinking, what would you say, and, and you got to answer with the first one you think of, because we can all think of a million of them, but what's the most recognizable quote from a movie, right, just right off the bat that comes to mind, the most recognizable movie quote, what, what do you think of? It's going to be based on the movies you like to watch, right? the kind of movie you like or your favorite movie or whatever. So what's the most rec recognizable, like run, Forrest, run. Everybody knows that, right? Forrest Gump. What's the most recognizable movie quote? Phone lines open, 210-599-5555. It should be so recognizable that even people that aren't big fans of the movie will know it, will recognize it. You played it for her, you can play it for me, Right? 210-599-5555. Bond, James Bond. That's easy. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, it could be a catchphrase. It could be a series of movies where it's in every movie. It could be one movie. Like, I think I've only seen, um, there are movies that I've only seen once. You know? Like, I know, for example, that I only saw Jerry Maguire once when it came out in the movies. And I think I went to see it because I had a crush on Renee Zellweger. Do you remember her sort of money phrase from, everybody remembers Show Me the Money, that was Cuba Gooding Jr. Do you remember the the line that Renee Zellweger, she's in love with the Tom Cruise character and he's such a shallow you know, a-hole. And he gives her this whole speech and she tells him, remember this? You had me at hello. That was pretty cool. And I, th- and I remember that, like vividly. But I only, I only saw that movie once and it was a long time ago. Didn't like it enough to see it again. All right, 210-599-5555. Most memorable quote from a movie. We're going to start with Mike on the radio. Hi, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call. So from uh, Cool Hand Luke, what we have here is failure to communicate. <laughs> that is a great that is a great line. And I'll bet a lot of people that quote that don't even know where they got it or where it's from. They just know it's from somewhere, right? Oh, yeah. Great line. Very good, Mike. Thank you. Cool hand, Luke. All right. Matt is on the radio on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Matt. Hey, how's it going? Um, famous quote, uh, It's uh, we're going to need a bigger boat. Jaws. Oh, can't, can't beat that. Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to need a bigger boat. Very good. All right. I like the retro stuff we got going on here. Henry is on the show, 210-599-5555. All right, Henry, most memorable movie quote. From Scarface, say hello to my little friend. (laughs) That movie has a lot of great lines in it, but that's the best one right there. You nailed it. Say hello to my little friends. All right, Henry, thank you. Uh, 210-599-5555. Dave is next. Hi, Dave. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you for calling. What's your most memorable movie line? Hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. Remember that one? You know what? I think I do, but... Help me out. Is that is that uh, Schwarzenegger? Yeah, that's one of the ways of saying goodbye or goodbye to something. <laughs> but, but I'm, you know, I'm blanking on which movie he says that in. Uh, he says it in a couple of movies. Uh, Does he? Okay. He him, uh, before he, well, and his movies are so, uh, you know, action packed. Before he blows up something, yeah. before he blows up the bad guy. Yeah. Hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a memorable line. It's almost bigger than the movie it came from, I guess. I guess there's a lot of ones like that that become more more famous or more memorable even than the movie they're in. Uh like I I, I believe The Godfather is the movie that gave us uh I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. And people will quote that and I'm sure if you like pinned them on it, probably a lot of people wouldn't even remember that it came from The Godfather. Now it's just a 
the the phrase itself is a bigger part of the pop culture even than like the movie. An offer he can't refuse. 210-599-5555. All right, so we started talking about, you know, most memorable line from a movie. I just want the first one that comes to mind for you when you hear me say that. Just go with what comes first. Alejandro is next. Hi, Alejandro. Surely you can't be serious. <laughs> I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. And don't call me Shirley. That's airplane, right? That is correct. Oh, yeah. You gotta love, and you gotta love the way, I mean, it's a great line. It would be a great line no matter who, who, who said it. But Leslie Nielsen, come on, right? That's the best. Hasta la vista, he, baby. He makes that line. Very good, Alejandro. I appreciate that. All right. Bill is next. 210-599-5555. Hi, Bill. Hey, there's no crying in baseball. Oh, look, you even sound like him. <laughs> you gave us you gave us bonus you gave us an impression and the line that's uh tom hanks right yes sir legal gina davis legal her own a league of their own good job bill uh speaking of tom hanks forrest is on the radio hi forrest howdy true grit john wayne fill your hand you son of a gun <laughs> There you go. I thought you were going to say run, Forest, run. I'm kind of relieved you didn't. All right. Uh, Kurt is next. Kurt, most memorable movie line. Clint Eastwood, the enforcer. A man's got to know his limitations. Mm, very good. Clint Eastwood is like a quote machine, right? I mean, he gives us so many. There's so many from all of his movies, from all the years he's made movies. You know, he just probably if you if you really worked it, you could probably pick one out of just about every movie he's made. He's, he's that way. Uh, Mark is next on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Mark. Hey, I got another Clint, Clint Eastwood one. Uh, go ahead, make my day uh, from the that movie Sudden Impact. That's the biggest one of all right there. Go ahead and make my yep. day. Thank you, Mark. Um, how about, um, and again, this is not a movie I'm crazy about, but I do like, the courtroom scene, and particularly the speech that Jack Nicholson gives in A Few Good Men, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. And he spits every word. He's just dripping with disdain, right, for the Tom Cruise character. You can't handle the truth. I wish I could say it the way he does. 210-599-5555. Grab a line. Give me your most memorable movie quote. We'll get to more of them coming up after we update KTSA Time Saver Traffic. And look, if you want to sell your car, there's some work involved. If you just want to make money off your car, there's no work involved. Give me the VIN.com. We'll buy it. They are the buyer. They're not a place to list your car for sale. They are the buyer. And their business is buying cars, trucks, SUVs, minivans, uh, you know, resto mods, your weekend project car, your Sunday sunshiny afternoon driver car. Maybe it's a car that someone in your family has stopped driving. Maybe it's a vehicle your company has in its fleet and you're moving on from that or downsizing the fleet. Go to GiveMeTheVin.com with whatever that vehicle is. All they need is the VIN number and a few photos. All you'll get is an almost immediate bid 
based on current market values. And you should know that the market is starting to go down for used cars. So waiting will only mean getting less money. Go to GiveMeTheVIN.com with the VIN number and a few photos and get paid at GiveMeTheVIN.com. Sitting in holiday traffic can turn anyone into a Grinch. Avoid the backups, the delays, and frustration. Stay connected. Get the latest traffic and weather together every 10 minutes with a 550 KTSA Morning News with Trey Ware. Now on FM 1071. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. Cause no matter how far away you When you pine for the sunshine of a friendly gaze For the holidays you can't beat home sweet There you go, one of those voices you gotta have this time of year. Gotta have Perry Como, right? 623 on KTSA, Jack Riccardi later in this hour. We're going to see how you voted on today's River City Oral Surgery JR poll question about the American Dream. And right now we're talking about most memorable movie line. What is when you when you hear that question, what is the first quote that comes to mind? Memorable movie line. Derek is next on the radio. Hi Derek. Hi Jack, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Great. Um yeah, no, when you said that, uh, the first thing that came to my mind, I was telling my wife, I was like, uh, I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> you got to say it like, like him, right? Very memorable. Yeah. And yeah, eerie. So. Very I like memorable. it, Derek. Thank you. Uh, William is on the show with a memorable movie line. Hi, William. Hey. Run, go, get to the chopper. Now that one you're stumping me with. Oh, okay, so it's another Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it was Predator. And oh, he's, you okay. Know, he's and the Predator sets off a, an atomic bomb, and uh -huh. he and this woman barely escape being blown to bits, or they're they're about to be blown to bits, and they're running to get to the chopper and jump off. Uh, high cliff or something to avoid being killed by the the monster, the predator that that lost the fight with Arnold. He he has so many memorable lines, right? I mean, because the way he delivers a line almost makes it like an instant classic. What's what's the movie where he says, "There's a bomb in there"? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. You're right. He does. I mean, just anything he says, right? It's just like uh, instant classic with that accent. William, that's a good one. Thank you from Predator. Uh, let's see. Gordon is next. Uh, memorable movie line, Gordon. Yes. Uh, actually, the first one I thought of, Mike just called it in about what we got here, failure to communicate. Right. But the other one is uh, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. It smells like victory. Is that apocalypse now? Yes, William Duvall. There you go. All right. A 
Apocalypse Now, and Gordon, thank you for that. Most memorable line from a movie. You can also email me, jack at ktsa.com, if you want to do that. We're getting, we're getting a lot of uh, Schwarzenegger. Another say hello to my little friend from Wendy. Um, make my day. Obviously, go ahead and make my day. Um, failure to communicate. I think mob movies, like mafia movies, right? Like Godfather and Goodfellas, they're good for a lot of these, uh, you know, memorable ones, uh, as well. Um, we can go way back, right? I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. We can go way back. 210-599-5555. Amy is next on the radio. Amy, what's a memorable movie quote? Well, so many of them have already been taken, but uh, this one might stump you. I'll have what she's having. Oh, boy. Um, is that When Harry Met Sally? Yes. Good going. The deli, right? Where where it's uh, where yeah, Meg Ryan is Meg faking Ryan the O. Yeah. yeah. And the <laughs> yeah. other lady says at the other table, I'll have what she's having. And there was this, I remember reading one time, you might know it. The, the other lady is like, she's, I think she's like a relative of the director or something. She's she's in the movie for a reason, like, and that's her only line, right? Oh, I'm not sure. You got me there. But I, I just like make me laugh every time I think about that. I love that scene. That, that scene is hilarious, and that is a great line, and the lady delivers it perfectly. That's a good one, Amy. Thank you. Uh, Mike is on the radio. We're looking for memorable movie lines. Hi, Mike. Hi. How you doing? I've got three of them for you. Okay. The Battle, uh, the Ballad of Cable Hogue. Uh, Jason Robard goes to a banker to get a loan. He wanted $35, and uh, he showed the banker a, a piece of paper showing he had a piece of land. The banker says, that's only worth 75 cents. And he says, I'm worth something. That line okay. there. Okay, and all right. The other was from Gone with the Wind, uh-huh. when uh, Clark Gable says, "Frank, de- uh, quite frankly, my dear, I don't yeah. give a damn." Yeah, yeah. That and the other one. one was when in the Gone with the Wind, Vivian Lee says, "I'll think about it tomorrow." There you go. There you go. Some good ones. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, Dustin says. Is it I'm your Huckleberry or I'll be your Huckleberry? I know that's um, from uh, Tombstone, and I can't remember which it is. It's either I'm your Huckleberry or I'll be your Huckleberry. And we just we just talked about that um, like a month or two ago because there's a whole reason he says Huckleberry, and um, now I don't remember it, of course. so I'd be a very interesting guy if I could remember half the stuff I've read. Uh, 210-599-5555. All right, we're looking for, and just have one, okay? Just go with the first one you think of. Most memorable line from a movie. And Robert is next. Hi, Robert. Hey, Jack. Uh, I don't like your tone. You're talking to me all wrong. Do it again, I'll put you out with a hot soldering iron. Hmm. That's Christopher Walken, Clem the Janitor, Joe Dirt. 
Oh, okay. All right. I did not recognize that one, but that is a good line. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to find a place to use that someday. Thank you, Robert. Uh, Tony is on the radio. Hi, Tony. Hello, Jack. Uh, Tony here. Uh, back in 1979, I guess I was probably a little too old, but uh, Luther, which is part of the, the movie called The Warriors, when he's sitting in the car, he's got three empty bottles, and he's kind of clapping them together with his fingers and says, Warriors, come out to play. Oh. And what is the name of the movie again? The Warriors. The Warriors. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Tony. Uh, 210-599-5555. Most memorable movie line. You're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, Do you feel lucky, punk? Well, do you? Stuff like that. Let's see what Steve comes up with. Hi, Steve. Good afternoon or good evening. I'm going back into the 70s, a movie The Cowboys with John Wayne. He told one of the kids there, Big Mouth, Don't Make a Big Man. Big Mouth, Don't Make a Big Man. That just kind of sounds like something your dad would say to you, right? <laughs> right, right. If it wasn't in a movie, it would be like dad, dad advice. All right, Steve, thank you. Um, I'm surprised this one didn't come up sooner. I would have thought this would come up right away. Richard just wrote me, Jack at KTSA.com, from Blazing Saddles, where the white women at, right? I mean, I know, I know, I know you can't make this movie now, but it was made. It's a thing, and it's a, it's a quote. You know you thought of it. Uh, thank you, Richard, for that. Uh, Roland is next. Hi, Roland. You talking to me? You talking? I think so. Taxi driver. Oh, you're saying this the line. I get it. Okay. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You talking to me? All right. Uh, Let's see. Mike is on the radio with a memorable movie line. Hello, Mike. Hello, Jack. Uh, This is from a Humphrey Bogart movie. Badges? What badges? We don't need no stinking badges. Is that Treasure of the Sierra Madre? That's it. All right. With uh, Walter Brennan, the the uh, irreplaceable, unmistakable Walter Brennan. Thank you, sir. Uh, let's see. Tom is next on the radio. Most memorable movie line that pops into your head, Tom. Hello, Jack. I've got the oldest one for, oldest one for tonight. Uh, May West says to W.C. Fields, is that a gun in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> Didn't she also, is she the one that also said, come up and see me sometime? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Is that her? Yeah. May yeah, West. Yeah. All right, yeah. You probably are right. I We may not we may not make it it's, past May West. You, you probably have. W.C. Fields, man, it had been the, the, like the 30s. Early yeah, 30s. You, 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 you probably have defined the uh, outer edge of this, but that's a good one. Thank you, Tom. Uh, we're going to pause, take a look at KTSA Time Saver Traffic, continue to take your calls, grab a line. I want to hear the most memorable, first one that comes to mind, most memorable line ever from a movie, 210-599-5555 on KTSA. Christmas, just like the ones I used 
to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow How about some memorable lines from Christmas movies? I'm going to get some of those, too. Like, is your house on fire, clock? Right? you got to have that, right? How about from White Christmas? You know what I like from White Christmas? I like the little, like the little speech that Bing Crosby gives about the general. Remember, they're, they're trying to honor their, their retired uh, general who was so good to them in the war. And he says at one point, he, he's, he's talking to Danny Kaye, and he says, um, we would eat, and then he would eat. We would sleep, and then he would sleep. It was kind of cool the way he said that, or the way the obviously the script writers wrote it. Uh, 210 599 All right, most memorable movie line that pops into your head the minute I say that. What is it? Go with the first one you think of. And uh, Michelle is on the radio. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jack. I do this all the time. I incorporate quotes into my day, and I wait for people to notice. And I, that's how I entertain myself when I when I get bored. Everyone's already said a lot of them, but I love mm. this one. But they don't have Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> it is so cheesy. It's Bill Paxton and Twister. <laughs> you just got to keep a straight face when you deliver that line, right? My favorites are Jaws and Twister, and I throw the quotes out throughout the day and wait for for someone to notice <laughs> you wait for some i i feel you i get that michelle you know yeah, and then when someone does you feel like you have a connection with them like they're my people right no when i finally tell them they they keep they they figure out the familiarity and they don't put their finger on it and then i tell them and they're like oh my gosh yeah there you go all right michelle have you have a good night, night. thanks rock, for calling rock, rock. uh appreciate that rock is next on the radio hi rock Jack, it's an honor to talk to you, and uh, I just tuned in, so I hope nobody else used this, and I'm going to challenge you. You have to pick uh, the movie. Of course, I'll tell you if you don't know it. Here's the line, okay. and I'm going to uh, use, use the right accent. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Mm. I'm embarrassed because we did have this line, oh, and the did. guy did tell me the movie, and I've already oh. forgotten what it was. So you got me on this <laughs> it's one. It's all good because whoever just tuned in like me now gets to hear it. It was Cool yeah. Hand Luke. Cool Hand Luke, that's one right. One of the greatest that's, movies ever made. That, that, I should absolutely know that, and I'm embarrassed that I don't. I'm glad we got it in it's a second time. And, Rock, it's an it's honor to have good. you, too. Thank you for calling us. Um, let's see. Kenny is on the radio. Hi, Kenny. Hey, Jack. Uh, we're on a mission from God. <laughs> Blues Brothers. Yes, sir. Love that movie. All right. Very good. A lot of great lines from that one. Uh, let me go with um, Elliot next on KTSA. Hi, Elliot. How you doing? Hey. Hey, my line is boards don't hit back. Boards don't hit back. Bruce Lee's Inner Dragon. It was Say it Bruce again? Bruce Lee's Inner Dragon. Bruce Lee's Inner Dragon. Oh, okay, Bruce Lee. You, you know, you give it to fight the guy with the scar face. Yeah, and he came. He came up there and hit the. He had a board in his hand, and the guy hit the yeah. board and broke the board. 
Yeah. And Bruce Lee told him, boards don't hit back. back. Yeah. It was a classic. I love Bruce Lee. I guess, you know, it's like you forget that he talks in the movie because there's so much action, right? <laughs> that's, that's true. That's a, that's a great... Boy, you have a specific, strong memory on that one. That's good, Elliot. Thank you. Um, all right, let's go with uh, Patrick next on KTSA. Most memorable movie line, Patrick. Uh, yeah, it's a real old movie. Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, uh, Glover and uh, they're in a restaurant, uh, Chinese restaurant, and uh, they're getting smart with the, uh, with the Chinese guy, and he says, uh, uh, fishing, I'd like some fishing flies. And uh, the Chinese guy said, it's fish and fries, you plick. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> trying, to, trying to trip him up on the accent, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right, Patrick, thank you. Uh, let me go with uh, Rick on KTSA. Hi, Rick. Hey, I just wanted to, another Godfather reference. Uh, yeah. When they, when, they, when they killed one guy in a car and they climbed into the getaway car, uh, Clemente said, leave the gun, take the cannolis. You know, I, I was thinking of that line, and I couldn't remember if that was from The Godfather or not, so it is, huh? Yep. All right, very good. Yeah, that's, like I was saying, those movies and, like, Goodfellas, isn't Goodfellas the the movie where uh, where Joe Pesci says, you find me amusing? Yes, that's the run, exactly. Do I amuse you? <laughs> Love that one, scene. Yeah. Yeah, the, and one of the nice things about that line about leave the gun, take the cannolis, is leave it in the past and go for the future. Yeah. yeah. Plus you get a cannoli, which is always a bonus, too. Uh, Rick, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Um, I would have thought we might get more like, um, I was thinking of like Casablanca, of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world. She walks in a mine. But maybe that's just me because I... Because I wallow. I don't know. I love that line. I, I, there's a lot of great lines in that movie. I mean, Casablanca, just about every scene is a memorable line. Uh, 210-599-5555. We're talking about and seeing what you remember when it comes to most memorable lines from a movie. And John is next. Hi, John. Okay, here goes mine, sir. Uh, immovable object meets an unstoppable force. Hmm. Sounds familiar. I can't place it. Batman. <laughs> Is it really? Oh, okay. Is it yeah, from one of the Batman movies? Right. So it. Right. So it's uh, the Joker uh, saying that. Um, the Joker says it. Oh, okay. All right. right. Very I good. Was, uh, I like those uh, movies. I I couldn't have placed that line though. Thank you, John. Uh, let me get to uh, Paul here on KTSA. Hi, Paul. Hello. Um, let me make you. And also, you can't refuse. <laughs> Very good. Delivered with with meaning. Delivered with feeling. Thank you, Paul. Um, yeah, I, I, I said earlier, I think that's probably a line people have used without, in some cases, even knowing where they got it. That You know a movie, has, a movie line has, has achieved status when you don't have to know where it came from. It's just part of the, 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 the vernacular. It's part of the catchphrase. You know, like... Um, that line or, uh, you know, you played it for her, you play it for me, play it again. Uh, let me get to a couple more here. We're going to do the results on the JR poll question coming up. And Tom is next. Hi, Tom. Hi. Uh, John Wayne movie. I can't remember the name of the movie, but the line was, 
you're kind of long on mouth and short on ears, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> I don't I, remember that one, but I love that line. we got to find out where that's from. Say it one more time. Uh, you're, you're kind of long on mouth and short on ears, aren't you? The, the like guy wasn't that. listening to him, you know. He, yeah. he shut him up. <laughs> I, we got to find out what that's from. That's a great one, Tom. Thank you for that. I had not heard that before. Uh, let me get to our good friend Omar here. Omar, how you doing? I'm all right about yourself, Jack. Good. It's always good to hear from you. You got one for us? Uh, yeah, well, I have a bunch, but the first one is just Lonesome Dove, where Gus is laying in bed, and Carl has already found him, and Gus is dying, and they're t- they're arguing about where to bury him or where you know where you know and all that, and Gus, you know, uh, Carl says, "Well, I'm sure uh, name would give you a nice place up there, you know, where where her sons are buried." And Gus, Gus goes, "You mean you'd bury me next to that dumb horse trader she was married to? Why don't you just throw me out the window and be done with it?" <laughs> <laughs> and it goes like better. the scene gets better but i mean it's it's yeah. uh you know it's a good one that is a good one well, i'm glad you called omar have a good night thank you sir speaking of lines i gotta play this for you this is unbelievable all right this is the secretary of education currently a guy named miguel cardona listen to him completely miss the point of a famous quote from Ronald Reagan. This is Secretary Cardona. Take a listen to this, uh, cut number six. You know, we're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, there's, there are resources there. There's technical assistance okay. there. And there's that is not, that that is not what me. Reagan said. That is part of what Reagan said. And Reagan didn't say it in the spirit of the government helps you. Let me play the, uh, this is a, a news conference, August 12th, 1986. This is the line Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan actually said. Cut number seven. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yeah, so it it was not praise of help comes from the government. It was the suggestion that when the government offers help, you should run the other way. And, and, and I, people are debating whether Miguel Cardona really just honestly misunderstood it or thought his audience was so dumb that he could repurpose it as a pro-government program kind of quote. But yeah, no, that's an I'm going to give the Secretary of Education an F on his uh, paper for that one. Speaking of memorable lines, uh, we're going to see how you voted on the JR poll powered by River City Oral Surgery. Uh, that's coming up. And one more look at KTSA. Time saver traffic right here. Today's JR poll at KTSA.com is powered by River City Oral Surgery. Oh, oh, oh. KTSA salutes the troops. Hi, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Richard Chen coming to you from sunny Saudi Arabia. Saying hi to my wife, Evelyn, and my girls, Michaela and Gabriella in San Antonio, Texas, and wishing you guys a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Brought to you by the Institute for Functional Health and Laurel Ridge. It's the most wonderful time of the with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer it's the most wonderful time of the year 
on the JR poll powered by River City Oral Surgery, we asked you, would you say you still believe in the American dream? And the results are 68% said yes, I do. 32% said no, I don't. We'll have a new poll question on our show tomorrow when we go live at 4 o'clock. You can find it anytime at KTSA.com. And you can find our show anytime as an on-demand podcast. You can listen mornings, late nights, weekends, catch up on shows you missed, share the show with uh, someone you think should hear it. Go to KTSA.com, pull down the on-demand menu, and listen to the podcast there, or look for the Jack Riccardi Show podcast wherever you like to get your other podcasts. Speaking of this day in history, we were uh, talking about some different things, and I, I read where um, this is the day, and I remember this when it happened, and you might too. 29 years ago, today, Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer and cannibal, was killed in prison. And there were people who talked about at the time, well, d- did they let it happen? Like, was there a a wink and a nod that this guy is just too, you know, he doesn't deserve to live and uh, is that kind of thing accidental incidental or intentional and and of course you probably heard the other day um at the federal prison out i think in arizona where they're holding uh derek chauvin the former minneapolis police officer uh he was seriously injured in a stabbing and it turns out that he was um you know, in a federal facility that had a lot of controversy about security laps and staffing. And the the speculation is, well, was he, did they allow this to happen? Did somebody set him up? Or is this kind of thing truly unpreventable and accidental? And uh, I, I think there will always be that, that suspicion that within the, the system, there are like, extra ways of meeting out punishment, justice, revenge, retribution. Of course, the most famous of all, I think, would probably be uh, Jeffrey Epstein. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing with Jeffrey Dahmer, the thing with Derek Chauvin, conspiracy theories abound. We're back live at 4 tomorrow. See you then on KTSA.